up? What up? What up, everybody? How y'all doing on this fine morning, afternoon, evening, wherever y'all are? We appreciate y'all walking with us as always. How y'all doing? Welcome to Foursquare Presents After Hours. And as always, it's your boy, Alex. And as always, it's your boy, Jeff. What's going on? You already know who it is. It's Maxwell and this bitch. You know what I'm saying? Maxwell, you finally into these after hours, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, only when you bring a little motivation. And speaking of motivation, Max got a little motivation in the guest that we have for tonight's installment because it is his little boo-boo, his little boo-boo-foo. His little thing. This little thing thing. Another one of the, you know, UGA's finest, you know, go dogs, you know. My lovely, lovely, lovely woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Max loves her. Max loves her with all his heart. It's all adorable. But anyways, uh, without further ado, Elise, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about, you know, something that we can all relate to, you know, as we're all part of that Gen Z, that, you know, that 90s babies, you know, 90s babies in the workforce, you know, that Gen Z era. And, uh, you know, you know, Elise is a part of the multimedia industry is that that is her field of work. And so we're going to get her expertise about what she's seeing and how she's utilized her skills and her marketing abilities to navigate in her workspace and, you know, just continue to just, you know, just talk about it. So <clears throat> Elise, please do us the honor of just giving us your intro, your background, which you went to school for and and uh, what you're doing in your line of work. Yes. Okay. So I studied advertising at the University of Georgia. Um, I got a bachelor's in advertising and certificates in new media and interdisciplinary writing, which is a lot of things. Basically, all that to say, I went to school for creative things, and I actually got a job from it. So clap to that. Um, (laughs) For people who want to be creative, you can do it. So and get a job from it. So now I work at a PR company called Edelman. It's the the, the largest uh, PR and the first uh, PR communications firm. Um, and it's global. So it's got a bunch of different locations across the world, um, different markets. And I'm a copywriter, which means I write um, basically the writing that you see on ads or any kind of like experiential event, if you guys know what that is. Um, I'm the person writing the stuff for it. And also I'm helping coming up with the idea for it. So I do a lot of brainstorming for brands. Um, It could be anywhere from, you know, a beauty brand like Shea Moisture or a tech brand like Adobe, PayPal, um, even your Disney's and stuff like that. So I'm pretty much across the board. um, And I write, basically I write stuff. I come up with ideas um, and I help things come to life. So that's my uh job in a nutshell and you sue niggas for anyone that ever tries you (laughs) maybe (laughs) so you help these uh different companies in these different industries be more palatable palatable to like the general public in a way um or just whatever whoever their target audience is or whatever their their problem is um typically it's like micro problems that they're having so to speak um things that we, they want creative solutions to um and so i come up with ideas to help um with that and also didn't mention that specifically i'm in this experiences uh department which means the things that we do is at the intersection of creative design and tech 
So all of the ideas we have are with this immersive lens of like really getting people engaged in it. So not your typical like advertisements and like commercials, but more so like your digital tools, your experiential events, um, activation. So like the really cool things that you see maybe like in Times Square or just at any type of event, maybe like, you know, a conference that you've been to, if you see any kind of like activation or a booth, um, we do a lot of those kind of things, trying to get more people engaged with the um, information or the campaign that we're trying to um, share. That's what's up. Yeah. You real into this, into this PR, this marketing, this advertisement gang. I mean, I mean, even mm -hmm. just, I mean, what, okay. So now that you've given your, your, your background about what you do for it, you know, what kind of, what led you there? Like what led you to that? What, what inspired you to say, you know, being a creative and helping creatives and helping, you know, with these different platforms, what, what got you to this point? Yeah. I mean, I definitely can't say I was five years old saying that I want to be in PR. So there definitely was um, a journey there, but I think at the core, I always knew that I wanted, or I was a writer, not even that I wanted to write, but I was a writer. So as early as elementary school, we had these writers, like authors breakfasts and stuff like that in your English class, um, really to encourage kids to not only learn like how to write, but to write well and to write stories and to be in that creative space. And I really fell in love with that. And I would always write these stories. It could be anything from a mystery. I was really into mysteries <laughs> when I was younger um, and like sci-fi and stuff like that. And I would write these stories and um, they would get chosen a lot because I'm like the only person that's like writing actual stories at like eight years old. Um, and they would get chosen by the teacher to have, you know, to be read at this author's breakfast. And you invite your parents and like you share the story and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I was always there. So I just knew from a young age that I wanted to write. Um, and it wasn't until middle school until I realized like what jobs kind of existed because all I knew was like an author. And I was like, OK, I could write books. But then when I got you know a little bit older, I realized journalism was a thing. And I was like, oh, I could write news stories. Um, and I kind of thought that was what I wanted to do in high school. I was the editor in chief of the yearbook. So I was definitely, you know, in editorial type of stuff. Um, but it wasn't until college until I realized I wanted to be more creative than just writing. Um, writing was my first love, but it wasn't the only way that I was creative. I always loved painting. I loved visuals, taking photos. And I realized I was missing that in journalism. Um, it felt a little one dimensional to me. So then I found advertising and University of Georgia actually has an advertising degree. Um, and that just naturally worked because I really love at the time or when I was younger, as young as like 12, when YouTube used to be really big with like the beauty gurus and like the brand deals and all that kind of stuff. I knew that there was something else in like marketing or branding that I really liked. Um, so I stumbled into advertising and I, I just meshed all of that together of everything from the beginning to now it's all led to here. So I never really had a pivot or, or a big pivot, I guess, journalism to advertising was a pivot, but it all led to each other, um, like a domino effect. So, yeah. You was, were you one of those third graders that was out here reading at an eighth grade level, you know, just mm -hmm. surpassing everybody, just, I was. Mm. I was a, a Lexile level girly. I don't remember what the numbers are or whatever it was, but <laughs> I was definitely, I was the one actually reading the, the little reading logs, okay? People were faking them. I was actually reading, so, yes. Okay, okay. So what would you say were um like your top three most memorable classes at UGA that really helped you with your career now? 
That's a great question. Um, also, well, no, I'm not gonna say that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I know for sure brand storytelling is the one that comes to mind. Um, it was like my first advertising class besides like the intro advertising class, but it was about literally like brand storytelling. So finding ways to describe a brand and to get people to understand what that brand is. And you can do that through visuals. You can do that through actual words. There's a lot of different ways to tell someone about what your brand is. And that's what that, that class was about. Um, what else? Um, and then I feel like later, like the very, my senior year is when it really like all came together. Um, the, my two capstone classes, one was the capstone for advertising. And then the other one was the capstone for my new media certificate, which is about like uh, web development and learning how to like, you know, code apps and, you know, websites and stuff like that. I, side note, only did that so I could be well-rounded. I'm not a tech girly, but tech is where it's at. So now that I have that background, I can make a switch if I ever want to. You can actually um, code websites for real? Well, uh, I once could. Um, I could okay. probably, but not what you want. Like, <laughs> It's muscle memory. You know, you got to get back into it. Yeah. I mean, I could do very rudimentary things. Okay. So probably not the person that you would want to do that for, but I can speak about the language of, you know, so if I were to work with a designer, with a UX designer or uh, a web developer, I could be able to tell them what I would want in in, want in a website using the language that they use. Um, so that's really the most like valuable thing I got out of that as opposed okay. to me actually coding, but I can like work with people and tell them, help like know how the process works. Um, but yeah, in both of those capstones, basically we made a campaign or we actually made an app so I have like I had really real experience of creating a product and marketing the product, coming up with a name for it, writing the tagline. So like from front to end, like coming up with this full project to share with people, to people for people to understand what is the product we're selling or what is the experience we're selling, um, and what is the whole user experience throughout that? What is the journey that we're taking people on? So those were all my notable classes. I will say. That's good. That's what's up, bro. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. Max, we ain't got no questions, fool. Hey, man, I ask a lot of questions mm -hmm. already. Oh, so um, but this nigga hasn't stopped cheesing since she started right. talking. Just been looking at him. Just like, yeah, <laughs> look at my baby. Yeah, that's what I Perfect like. Yeah, smile. talk about your education. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> nah, at least come back. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Don't hide from it. Yeah. <laughs> I, had I had to turn the fed on. Okay. <laughs> oh, y'all so adorable. Um. Uh, <laughs> He's really cheesy. <laughs> he about here just, just like, yeah, I'm happy. Just smiling like Nelly. <laughs> Don't use the visual of this video. Don't use it. We're, no, we're not. No, hey, but yeah, it's, it's audio exclusive. Be glad this is audio because this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but no, oh wait, at least you never got into like any like graphic designs or anything like that. You never took any of those classes? I did. That I did. Okay. Yeah, but I'm a, so I'm a writer on the, at the end of the day, I'm a writer, right? And like a, creative in general, but like, I, I I can tell, like, I have a visual eye, but when it comes to executing that, that's where the designers come in. That's when the art directors and the graphic designers, and that's not me, okay? So I know what I want it to look like, you know, and I can definitely write it and make it sound good, but then I need some help to make it look good. I can make it look good, but I want, I want it to be like professional for real, so. And it's well, basically, you know how people have their strengths, you play to their strengths. So like I could do it, but it's going to take me a lot longer than someone who is trained to do that. And that's their expertise. So I let the designers be the designers and I'm 
the writer. I, I stick to the writing. So. Okay. All right, so let's brainstorm some of the other, because after you... But I do got one more question before we really dip into that Gen Z in the workplace. What ahead. would you say so far is the, I don't say most difficult, but the most challenging demographic to cater to that you were like, this is actually challenging to try to find something for this niche, this niche of people. Um, so I have two answers for different reasons. So the first one that came to mind is our white counterparts. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I, from a perspective of a black woman, I know what I would be interested in. Um, but to tailor that to the general population, or if you want to call it that general population, but to our white counterparts, um, they just they they have a different way of seeing things. And I'm I just naturally can't see it that way. Um, but I will say because the majority of mainstream media and what we've all been consuming is from their perspective, it's not super hard, but it is a little bit harder for me to care about it. Um, because that's not something that I'm very much interested in for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's hard in a sense that, like I said, I don't really know, I'm not really connected to it. So it's hard to tell if this is really like hitting this idea that I'm coming up with or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's also like, like I said, the media that we've been consuming is already from their perspective for the most part. So it's not super hard, but the other answer is genuinely difficult. It's um, the disability community. community. Um, and that's a community mm. that is very marginalized. Um, and I, from the, like the start of my career, literally my first internship was with, um, and I always mix up the language. This is why it's so difficult. Um, I can't remember if it's people first language or, or disability first language, but I think it's also personal preference. So forgive me. Um, but I worked with an in, or with a company, an organization that helped um, teens with autism or autistic kids, teens. I don't know which one is the is correct um, to help them get ready for college. And that really opened my eyes, is because of, you know because um, I'm not seeing life through you know as a person with a disability. I'm an able-bodied person, um, and so. I have to learn about that community and the different struggles. And there's a lot of different, you know, disabilities to have. So that's another thing. It's like knowing the different, um, you know, all the different facets of it. So that is a really difficult one, but I will say a lot of brands aren't catering to them anyway. So it's like that, that um, audience doesn't come up too much in my work, but it is something that I try to think about a lot um, because for me, my North Star is always, advocating for marginalized communities and that's not just race gender you know whatever it's also people with disabilities as well so that is a difficult one um, but really just because I want to be respectful and I want to be politically correct like now like I literally can't remember <laughs> which language it is um, but that's something that I feel like we all should be um, cognizant of so that is um, one of the more difficult ones the ones that I actually like mm, I, I have a lot of um, I, I take that very seriously and I use a lot of care and intention when it comes to speaking about those communities. Um, so that I would say that was, those are my two um, answers for different reasons. That's cool. Real, real quick. Do you think that that, that those different entities, do you think that also follow, flows into another form of advertising as far as like commercials, like how ads and different stuff, different ads and different commercials are put on TV at different times for different reasons, or even like different like TV channels. 
certain commercials are made specifically to cater to this type of demographic? Do you think that also, you know, impacts, you know, the different, you know, segments as far as like, you know, trying to reach out to, you know, LGBTQ, people of color, mm-hmm. you know, disabilities, you know, things like that. Absolutely. Everything, everything that you see or consume has a target audience. Um, at the very beginning of that, whatever you're watching, whether it's a promoted TikTok or it's a commercial or whatever, all of it started from a brief that has the target audience, which is the age, gender, the whatever other, you know, parts of, um, you know, characteristics of who they're trying to reach. Like everything starts with a target. So, cause you can't just create blindly because you need to know who you're targeting and how to target them. Um, I mean, for example, I just learned this at a conference, but like soap operas, the, the title soap opera was came from, because back in the day, the time of day when women were at home, um, that's when they would advertise soap during that mm-hmm. time of day. So like, I did not know that. I'm sure maybe y'all knew that, but like, mm-hmm. you know, knowing their like, their user they, behaviors. Yeah. Soap? Yeah. Soap. Soap operas. So that's why the time, like when Hallmark and like the soap opera time, like that's the time when women and stay at home, you know, moms and stuff like that were at home and they would advertise soap to them. So it's like user behavior, um, you know, knowing the trends, knowing that consumer's characteristics to be able to target that person and get the most sales or most revenue or whatever. So like everything starts with the audience and, you know, breaking people down by labels and communities, categories. Um, so that's really like, that's like the, the first part of anything that you see in media. Okay. All right, let's get into it, Alex. I already know why young people lazy. Go ahead. <laughs> I wasn't going to start just joining on them, but I mean. On them, us, <laughs> we mean. Uh, us, them, whatever. Yes, us. I mean, okay, so all of us here, 90s babies. Shout out to all the 90s babies that are watching. You were born 2000. It counts. Crazy. I was conceived in 1999. So, <laughs> it counts. hilarious. She's got the conceivement. It counts. I have my ear, <laughs> the outside world. So, her. That's funny. <laughs> so, okay. So, for for us born in our generation, I mean, we've all you know grew up with, you know, SpongeBob, Fairly Odd Parents, Grim Adventures, Billy and Mandy. Like we grew up in that time period, and now the majority of us are you know, in school or out of school. And we're now, you know, getting our beaks wet into this adult working thing. So, you know, just everybody sound off. How's this work life treating y'all? Hell there no. you go. Um, who wants to go first? <laughs> I oh, said sound it. off. Everybody just, just, just you, you know, what comes to mind? This, I said this ghetto. Is tough. Yeah, it's tough, mm-hmm. man. Thumbs down. We was definitely <laughs> not prepared for sure. <laughs> and in college, even, swear they prepare you for this real world. I'm like, no, no you not, don't. No. It's not even that. It's not even that. It's not even that. You know, preparation is whatever. You know what I'm saying? Pe- you get prepared through just natural socialization. Like, like you just socialize and you're going to be prepared for the workplace. I don't think you're prepared for the amount of time that you have to put towards it and the amount of politics that goes into it as well. Oh. Like, I don't think we're prepared for that. We're prepared for the workload. The workload's easy. Like, you know, like we can, we can complete our workday in a few hours and then that's it. But then you have the, up, you know, the higher ups looking at you like, why aren't you working? Oh, my work's done for the day. Hell, my work's done for the week. And now you're just like, 
Okay. And to clarify, like when you mean it's politics, we're not talking about like actual like government politics, but like politics in the way of like how you move within your work setting mm-hmm. also carries weight along with the actual work that you were actually doing as far yeah. as your total review as a whole package. How the hierarchy right. works at your specific company. And I've yeah. mentioned yeah, this you know, in the podcast episode, and I'm going to say it again. When you go to a company, always figure out who the top leadership team is. And if you do not personality-wise connect with the senior leadership team of that company, nine times out of ten, you're not going to last that long in that company. Yeah. Well, you mean the top leader? Like we're not talking about we're not talking about your direct manager. We're talking about like senior leadership manager, CEO, manager, president, them, CFO, CEO. Yeah. I will say there is the truth in that sentiment, but I will say that is where playing the game comes because there is very few and far between of companies where you're going to have a C-suite or top leadership that you resonate with. And I'm going to say this, I don't resonate with any of my, my, the top leader. Well, I won't say any, there is one, absolutely one. And I am under his team. So, and he is a black man and he's amazing. Okay. And he's the reason why I said yes to my, to the, to the job. Well, there's some other things, <laughs> other reason why, but he was a big reason why I said yes. Um, So I will say, I do think, yes, it's important to look at that leadership Um. But it's also like, if you know how to play the game of corporate, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you can do that with anybody. You do, yeah. It doesn't matter who's, who you're working under, but if you know how to play the game and play the game well, you can um, skirt on by and those poli- that politics will, uh, it'll be there, but you'll know how to dodge it and make it work for you, so. I think the idea of, you know, the idea of playing the game is cool, but you know, it's, only last for so long because eventually you're going to get irritated and want to move on or you want to create your own thing which I think a few of us are already at that point where we're already ready to create our own well that's the thing about the game is that's the point is you're you're playing the game to get to the next step of whatever whatever the next step is for you you're playing the game at wherever you're at to get to the next thing so it's not about I mean, unless your goal is to become a CEO of your company and stay there for 50 years, that's cool. But like Absolutely. when I say play the game, you're using corporate America to your advantage as best as you can. Cause I mean, it's only so many people that are really benefits, but like, basically you're not sink, you're sink or swim in corporate America. And if you're playing the game correctly, you're going to swim and you're going to use it, do what you need to do and get the hell out. Okay. That's what playing the game is. So let's, I was going to say, let's break down what the game is. So for the people that are graduating and they're coming into the corporate space, what is the game that they need to start playing? Networking. Who do you know? Let me start off with, from like, no, let me start off from the beginning. Along with networking, let me start, let me start off with just how to bust down an interview. Because there are certain people that can't even interview. Before we get there, the game is playing is assimilating into a white America that is meant to only benefit and propel white people and white men. Let me say that, white men. You're white, cis, heteronormative male, okay? Uh, So that is the game, is to how to assimilate with these people and 
you'll never be on their level or above them, but how can you make them not see you? I don't even know how to say this. You got to see, you got to make sure that they recognize your value and recognize they're not going to do that. play in. Oh, I, not gonna I, do that. Yeah. what the game is, is basically for them, for you, for you to do what you need to do without, without, it's really hard because they'll never see you the same and you will never be seen as above them. And if, and when you are, you're a threat and you're gone. So that's not, you have to, there, there's a lot of, we'll get into that. To this. How about, how about this? There is a, there is a radar that you need to fall within. Yes. And you need to fall within a certain radar that gives you enough credit that to keep you around, but not too much spotlight Absolutely. to make you seem like you're a threat. Mm -hmm. There is a there is a certain threshold that you need to sit within. And once you find that threshold, you need to stay there. And where once you're in there, that's when you start to absorb and yeah. own in, utilize all the resources, make sure that that your own personal agenda, because I always say. Everybody, everybody has two two agendas. Everybody has a public agenda and a hidden agenda, from you know from personal life to corporate life to actual politics. Like everybody got two, so you got to make sure that you follow the public agenda and you follow the radar and you stay within the radar so that your private agenda can still be facilitated through. So that once you're able to execute whatever it is you're trying to do, you're able to do it seamlessly. And sometimes it is an easy transition and sometimes it is not an easy transition. And I have learned the hardships of both a good and bad, trans a bad transition. Beautifully said. That's it. Great. That's the game. And then yes. you get all the, the other things and networking and all the stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the game at large. Mm -hmm. So that's what the game is. And so however long, because ain't nobody, ain't nobody in our generation is out here talking about I'm gonna work for a company for 30 years and retire and get no, pension we, and benefits. We are not on that no more. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't doing that. That's not it. <laughs> but that's cool. Insane. Like, love my parents, but like, that's crazy as hell. Mm -hmm. Thanks for doing I, it for me, but like, I would have wanted better for you. Like, my dad, my dad doesn't even do that. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, my dad, my dad, didn't my dad, do my dad, it. My dad my has mom. never done that. I mean, my mom's doing it. I mean, y'all see my mom. My mom's been an educator Whoa. for almost her whole career but also education is its own it's its own niche but she education, has love for that yeah. education is different because education is our teachers are the only reason that any of us have the jobs that we have so they are the only job that creates every other job so yeah. teacher is different but so then so so then let, let, let's talk about this some more so now we've all established what the game is you know making sure that you follow within the, the certain threshold how, you know, everybody around the horn, at least we'll start with you. How have you been able to fall within your threshold or have you accomplished falling within that threshold yet? I have, I feel I've accomplished it. Um, there are definitely things that I would like to uh, improve, of course. How, um, I think really, I guess, I don't know. I think going to a PWI really was the moment for me, the experience for me that taught me how to deal with people that don't look like me. How can I exceed without, like we said, 
well, actually, I didn't care if I threatened people, but I still needed to, I still needed to have people as allies or support, you know, when you need those recommendations or you need, you know, people as network or uh, connections. Um, so I still had to play, play it to some extent, but I had to, I had to understand how do I coexist with these people and I don't know anything about, they're not treating me the same. And I, this environment was not made for me. So how can I still exceed my goals that I have and not be um, affected by the demographic and the environment that I'm around? That was very much toxic and not good for my mental health. Um, but that experience going to a PWI is what really taught me what corporate America is like. And I would have never gotten that experience um, if I hadn't went to a PWI. So that was my like, experience that helped me be ready for um corp white corporate America. Do you feel like do you feel like you wouldn't have gotten that had you had gone to an HBCU or community college or any other school? Not that I wouldn't have, but I wouldn't have gotten it that soon and at that that extent. Um I mean literally I I experienced microaggressions and racism for the first time ever and like that's kind of crazy to say that at like 18 and up, that's the first time that I experienced it. But living in a primarily black area in a black affluent area, like it's not just, you know, like I, I, you know, I never was around, I was never the minority in any situation. And especially not living with these people or being with these people for four years straight. And everything you do, every time you walk outside the door, you're not seeing yourself every, anywhere and no space is made for you. Um, there's no other way that I could have gotten that that experience. So in a way, oh. <laughs> I, I got a very uh, rigorous training and I feel like that's what really helped me just mm. channel. Like I, I know how to play, you know, play this role, so to speak. And yeah, it's not the greatest thing ever. Would I have loved to be with more people of color and black people and my people? Yeah, of course. But, you know, that's why I'm very... Um, intentional about the spaces that I'm in now so you know yeah. no I mean it makes sense I mean even I mean because I mean all of us all of us here we we all grew we all went to you know schools in Cobb County and even just our school of like Marietta compared to South Cobb is like a completely different like it's not it's like it's night and day like mm -hmm. like you knew you knew what the black schools were you knew what the what the wider schools were the more diverse schools were so because mm -hmm. I was gonna say I can't necessarily say that like for us at Marietta that like it was either you were either black or Hispanic. Like, nah, there was it was whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asian. It was it was a bit of everybody. So I feel like at our school, for me personally, I saw everybody. I dealt with everybody. So I was like, eh, okay. I've dealt with dealing with enough different people for one day. Let me go be with people that look like me. Mm -hmm. So but no, but <laughs> it definitely makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, boy, boy. Uh, Mass, go ahead. Go ahead. Speak your truth. <laughs> You've been itching to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've been itching to say anything, bro. I've just been, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, That whole little threshold thing, it's kind of irritating to me. You know, I worked in the industry. I'm in, sorry, for those that don't know, I'm in um, chemistry slash chemical engineering, um, specifically pharmaceutical formulations, as well as um, biodegradable materials. Big pharma. Um, yeah, big pharma. Um, I worked in the industry for a year before I went to grad school. Went to Albany State University for um undergrad four years. Um that was that was cool. It, you know, going from you know 
kind of a a, a mixed community to uh, HBCU it was was wonderful. Um, and then you know did my year in the industry, and then came to grad school at UGA where I met Elise. Um, oh. right. So I gotta tell y'all, man, it's, <laughs> that little threshold thing—it's cool for the moment. But then I realized, like, I'm sitting in this threshold. Um, or whatever. And that's not how I live. That's never, how, that's never been how I'm, how I maneuver. I always, you know, try to be my, be at my best. And my dad has always told me like, you, you know, you can be, you can be your best. You can do whatever you need to do. Just, you know, whenever you work in these jobs, don't work it to death. Um, you know, just, you know, cruise. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn recently. Um, but luckily, um, in these in the spaces that I've been been in, um, especially in grad school, like the lab that I'm in, um, they, you know, they accept people that are overachievers, and they will put you in the into the really good spaces if they know that you're going to get the job done. And I'm really grateful to have that connection because I know that's going to escalate me to higher places, whether I want to take them or not. You know. Um, and I guess I can say that about my 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 job as well, because um, I you know I, I was put into the, the correct situation in order to propel me into a better space. Um, I knew that like whenever I left there, like I had that feeling whether I had that feeling that that place was going to kind of crumble because I I was already seeing the writing on the walls. Um, but, but remember, people... this this threshold ain't going to last forever. Oh, it's no, supposed I... to be a temporary thing. See, listen, man, I already know that, bro. See, I. <laughs> And temporaries tends to be very quickly, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For me specifically, because I get very irritated from the incompetence of the people that are above me. And that's just, I don't know. I, maybe it's, it's like I look at the people that are, you know, say that have higher positions than what I applied for or was given. And I'm like, I know way more than them actually know how to do this job i should be in their position but you know because they knew somebody or because i don't know they managed to get that job before i was you know what i'm saying and that's the kind of irritating thing for me because a lot of these people that are, are that are in these higher positions really don't know how the job works or you know they typically got that position due to connections um and not because they know how to do the position yeah mm -hmm. and they, they always they always go with the thing oh yeah we can train them on the fly or whatever then hell you can do the same thing for me i'm more i'm i know i'm more competent like i know i have the you know i have the ability to be in that space be in any space i can i can fit in any space that's something that you know I've, I've been taught to do my whole life so I mean, it 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 works in a in a moment where, because I'm sure we've all noticed a, a moment where somebody who may be older than us or like a higher position than us, and they're doing something, and you're like, I can do your job, and I can do your job probably a hell of a lot better than you're currently doing your job right now, and it, yeah, and and it yeah. does get frustrating after a while because it's like, you know, because I I'll say from my experience when I first got my first job, and I. I fell into the 
you know, like I'm, I'm young, I'm fresh out of college, you know, big eye, bushy tail, you know, I just, I, I can't, I'm here to learn, I'm here to grow, I'm here to offer what I can, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, I am, at the same time, I'm still reliant upon y'all because y'all are the ones that are going to teach me however this system works for you guys, and each company is going to have their own system. So at the same time, it's like, I need you guys because you guys got to teach me. But at the same time, I still got to propel myself to get to y'all and eventually one day surpass y'all. And so I, I do agree that it, it does become tough when you're now starting to notice that you're outperforming the people that are above you. Because now it's like, all right, so what the hell am I still doing in this threshold for? And it says, yeah. like, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to move. But then that's where the issue of, you know, don't be too, you know, don't get too cocky or don't get too above your head or don't it's get the, too this. Or... It's the outperforming with no recognition that mm. gets me uh, every time. I'm going to go ahead and say this because um, it does sound pretty doom and gloom for people listening. I'm like, man, it's what about this threshold? Every company, right, is going to have people who are above you that will sometimes purposefully try to sabotage what you're doing because they're scared that you're going to take their spot. But it's also going to be people that genuinely want to teach you and are good teachers. So part of the game, too, is to find those people that are genuinely good people and want to learn and stick to them. Because if that company wants to get rid of you, that person will make the connection with you that even if you leave, they're still going to have your back because you had their back. Not everybody in corporate is bad. But best believe not everybody is good either. Oh, best believe, man. I still I still have a lot of connections from my old job. They work at uh multiple companies across Georgia. They I got, you know, people at Pfizer, people at um this company that we do work for, you know, here at UGA and just just connections on on top of connections that are that I know that are really good people, you know, just they're just in, you know. But also, it's like type of situations. You know, no, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we're not. Yeah, we're not trying to make this just like some gloomy, like, oh shit, like I'm about to get into college. I'm about to get out of college, and this is what the world's gonna be like. I mean, yeah, we're trying to be as honest and transparent as possible. But like I said, like, go back to the the first point that we made is is establishing what the game is, and as long as you play the game well, you will always find a way to succeed. And it don't matter what industry, because all four of us, we're in four completely different industries. Each industry has its own particular game. Each one has its own threshold. And you got to figure out what it is and how you can get there and how you can, because I kind of look at it, I kind of look at it as like Call of Duty in a sense of like, if I'm trying to infiltrate some shit, <laughs> if I'm trying to bust in some shit and I'm trying to like, you know, achieve my mission. Hey, <laughs> hey, I said what I say. I'll say it again. Bust in. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta use, you know, infrared, you know, LED lights, you gotta, you know, crawl through the bushes. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes to Max, why are you looking at me? Big <laughs> freaky. Hey, 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 this after hours. So but, for the yeah, Fogo has go ahead, finish. You got you gotta find your way and find your path and make sure that don't nobody get in your way either. And it's like, yo, everybody is on their own personal mission to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve in life. And at that moment, you got to figure out 
what this game is and how to play it because you know the best players of the game are the ones who are able to make it to the top so and for people listening what he says you gotta do whatever you gotta do aka that means you're probably gonna have to kiss ass a little bit now speaking on kissing ass when you first get with a company you know of course they kind of want you to be that you know you know bushy eye bushy tail college grad of like i'm here to learn all that stuff so they can make you do all the shit they don't want to do but again that's part of the game for you to understand to find the person that likes to teach and is a good person and then you know align and attach yourself to them and make their workload easier because if that's the case you're not kissing their ass because more than likely they probably like you because you want to learn you're a student they want to get to know who you are so you don't have to even look at that as kissing ass necessarily because they actually want to teach you. Kissing ass technically is for people that are not good at the job and know they're not good at the job. So they have to kiss ass in order for people to like them to keep them at the company. And if the company that you happen to be at, you know, kind of, I won't say put a pedestal on, but they incentivize for you to kiss ass more than doing hard work. That's not someplace you need to be working at anyway. Well, Jeffrey. Let us know your experiences, brother. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking on that, um, I was uh let go from my job a few weeks ago. Um, so that's kind of part of my experience of why I said if you don't align with, you know, your senior leadership team, you're not gonna last. And it's not that the work wasn't getting done; project was making money. And uh client wanted to work with the company again. And the more I talked to people that worked at the company that I was cool with and more people that I've talked to that don't work at the company anymore that used to work there, pretty much aligned with it wasn't necessarily my performance. It was more just how I didn't connect with certain people, important people at the company. So that's why I try to reiterate, and I don't want to put a bad taste in people's mouth of everything's like that. Because there are good companies out there. Alex probably has a more positive experience than I do, but always try to find the good and the bad. So that's what it's, I say. It's it's a it's it's a kind of a not say a two way street. I've worked with a company where you know billion dollars billion dollar industry. You know, if I say the name, everybody's heard of it. And, you know, there's offices everywhere and I've worked for it and I, and I realized what working with a, a big juggernaut of a company is like, and, you know, as, as nice and as pretty as it is, and as all as like the corporate brunches and, you know, eating, you know, having seared lamb and wine with, you know, with the CEO and, and shit like that, you know, for private parties, it's cool. But at the same time, it's like, like Jeff said, if you if if you not if you not clicking with them on like a separate level, you know it, it it's gonna be tough. I'm not gonna say that it's gonna be end of the road, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be a lot tougher of a road to be on. Your days are gonna be numbered. That's all. Exactly saying. because for me is for me with my first company, I I worked my butt off and I was you know unfortunately you know being a you know kissing ass you know being a bit of a yes man you know just trying to take everything you know. Trying to, you know, just trying to prove to everybody that, you know, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing, you know, for the good of the company, all that, you know, all that bullshit. Describe what a yes man is real quick. Like, go into that so, just a tiny bit. So a yes man, um, 
a, a yes man. Also, people use the term yes men for relationships, but we're not talking about relationships right now. But for corporate relationships, yes man is, is as it is, it's, hey, can you do this for me? Yeah, sure. Hey, can you do this for me? Uh, yeah, sure, I can squeeze that in. Oh, hey, I need you to, uh, hey, I need you to drop this last minute and come do this. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Like, just somebody who is just willing to just be a Swiss army knife for everything. And, and that's kind of how I felt like I was on my first job. Like, like I was learning one function, learn a different function, was just being taught by so many different people, so many different things, and then being expected to do all those different things to the best of my ability. And then after a while, I was like, you know, it, what, what sucks, the one thing that does suck, and, and it's just something that you just have to just, you have to take it to the chain, you just have to get through with it being your first, you know, few years out of college, is that, like, it sucks when you're at the bottom of the totem pole. It, 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 it is hard. It, it, it is something that, like, you know, sometimes, you know, people can make it as best of experience as you want, but it is a very hard, you know, path to get through. Like, those first few years where your first company, you know, people try to get, like, their dream job out of college, and it's just like, man, just get you something to get your beak wet. Get you something where you can start off and learn and just You absorb. did say feet wet, right? Your beak wet. Like oh, okay. something to get your beak like get experience. I'll just make sure I heard you right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I said say it's like it's just the phase of absorbing and learning. And then after a while, once you're comfortable within yourself, then you're gonna be able to turn from a yes man to, you know, I'm busy. Like once you're able to get to that point in your life where it's just like, nah, I'm I'm on that same path now where I have important shit too, and you're not gonna just throw whatever BS at me anymore. That the the power that you feel within yourself, because that's how I feel now, is that like now I have the ability to where I can give a little pushback. And it's not to like be like arrogant or cocky or anything, but like you just work to that point where you built you built up enough work credit. To where you're not saying like, no, I'm just going to do whatever you say. No, I'm not doing whatever you say anymore. I used to be that, babe. But now I am, I, I don't want to say you're like you're equal, but like I, I'm at that threshold where I, I've elevated myself. And so, and that's, and that's what everybody's trying to do at the end of the day. So, I mean, I, yeah, I have that experience with one company, but now I'm at another company where my experience is a lot more positive and I truly, you know, I'm thankful to work for a company where they've, they're showing that they actually care, you know, to a little bit. Like I ain't like you ain't gotta care a lot, but you gotta care a little bit. You gotta show that you're willing to develop me. You care, you care well about like my performance. You want me to perform well, then that's gonna make me wanna, you know, show you my performance and show you my skills even more. So yeah, that's what I say. It's like, you know, I've I've seen the good and the bad of both. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with larger companies, you're when you're a lower level employee, you're just a number at that point. When you start to get up, higher up, higher up, then you start making a name for yourself. So, mm-hmm. at I- least I about to say, at least you say you work at you worked for you know a large big PR company. So, do you feel that? Do you align with that? And as far as like you know, do you feel bottom of the totem pole ish, or or what is your I was actually going to say I slightly disagree. One, because um, so 
I, I've been at my company for about a year and a half at this point, And that was like pretty much straight out of college. It was like a month in between. Um, and the very, the first six months was very much like you're, you're a junior and you're getting treated like a junior. Um, and not in a bad way, but like, you know, you could tell that like, I, I wasn't necessarily on projects by myself or anything. I always had someone with me, like a direct report or someone like to help guide, but it wasn't in like a micromanaging way. Um, it wasn't a, you know, a healthy, like, let's, you know, support and like, you know, let her learn the ropes. Um, but I will say what set me apart, um, and what got me to, uh, propel faster than some, some of my counterparts, um, was being able to work efficiently and provide quality, um, as someone who is technically a junior. Um, so after that first couple, really after that first four or five months, I started being on projects by myself. I was the main writer. Um, and typically you wouldn't have just a junior copywriter. You would, you would have like probably the junior and a mid-level or a junior and a senior and then a creative director. But I was the main writer um, on a lot of the projects that I was on. And it was because I proved to the people, to my managers and the people that I worked with that I was very capable of doing the work, doing it well, and doing it efficiently. So I, and then at some point I got to use that, at, you know, to my advantage, because I was, and I was doing, they were putting me on so many things because I was capable of doing them and I showed them that I was, and I used that to my advantage. And sometimes people are not able to do that um, because they will keep working you like a, because they know you can do it, but then not compensating you for it. Hmm. But at some point I was like, hey, my title and my workload and the quality that I'm producing, they don't align. So either the title needs to change, meaning I need a higher title or the workload and my expectations need to lower. Um, and I kind of did it to myself because I set the expectation, but because I was able to advocate for myself and I was like, hey, I basically, I deserve a higher title um, because of the quality of the work that I'm doing. Did um, you did you give yourself a timeline or was it a well, like, was there like a, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a junior for six to 12 months and then I'll have like a review. And then if I'm a, my review is good, then I'll yeah. get promoted to, you know, a senior or whatever. Not going to lie. Coming into my job, I was like, I'm getting promoted in a year. Like by the next, <laughs> by the next like year review, I'm getting promoted. And that was in my head, whether, I don't know if it was going to happen or not, especially because we had two rounds of layoffs in the past year. And they kept saying that, you know, there's not much room for you know, merit increases or, or raises. And I was like, I don't know if I was going to get it, but I, I told myself when I started that job, I was like, I'm going to get <laughs> a promotion or a raise or whatever, really a promotion for both. But I wanted that junior title gone. Like I did not, in my opinion, I mean, yes, I was a junior, I was entry level, but I had done so much at that point. And like you were saying, um, Alex, about just starting from college, it's like, you're really starting at the bottom and it was crazy because my my resume is stacked. Like when I came in, came out of college, like my resume is she's long. Okay. But now I know that it doesn't not matter, but like it's over, like it starts over. Like it's mm. it's white. So now I'm like, I did all that, got a great job, and now I'm at the bottom again. So it's like it all starts over. But I told myself, yes, like the next year review, I'm getting a promotion. And that's what we did. So period. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's One thing. that's that's what's up. I actually want to go ahead and bring up one point. Mm -hmm. um, I think that people in our generation need to stop 
I don't, I think demonizing is a strong word, but stop shitting on nine to five so much. I think there's a strong push for entrepreneurship for people that don't really have the skills to really go on their own just yet. So not I everybody talk about, is meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. It, so let's talk okay. about the skills that you've learned in corporate, Alex, Elise, Matt, or everybody, and what skills that you've developed when you're working in corporate that you probably think people are missing when they try to jump straight into entrepreneurship. You got to know how to talk to people. I was just about to say, y'all need to try customer service up. I don't know, wherever you work, you need to learn how to talk to people because people with these hair businesses and whatever restaurant businesses, y'all just talking to people any kind of way and not serving, you're not having good customer service. That's insane. Like losing the recipes. That's insane. Hey, I'm I'm about to just I'm about to come for my generation real quick. <laughs> Pause. Yo, y'all gotta stop feeling so goddamn entitled. Y'all gotta stop feeling like y'all deserve everything you got going to you just because you this person or you pretty or you got a big butt or, or any of that. Like like bro, like you ain't shit. Like like it don't like like bro like <laughs> you ain't shit when you get out of co- like bro. Don't nobody give a fuck about you. Like and and, and that's kind of just how. Like that, yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, it might be a little pessimistic <laughs> for me, but it's like, yo, how I look at the world is just like, it's me versus everybody. And I expect everybody to hate me after college. So it's like, I gotta, like I said, I gotta start from ground zero and I gotta start building my own shit up. And so for us, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna just, you know, just hop on this YouTube shit for a bit. I'm gonna do, do this rap game for a bit. I'm gonna do this OnlyFans, like, yeah, I'm gonna do, something to be quick and i'm like bro like y'all not thinking right y'all thinking about all this like this quick money or this quick get this or this 15 minutes of fame this and it's like bro like y'all gotta think about long term think about something that's going to last and right now the one thing that is arguable nine to fives last compared to entrepreneurship because stuff a lot of entrepreneur stuff fails within the first year just because people try to do it and they and something hits the fan and, and they give up because it's too hard or it's too this or they don't realize the work that it takes. Like a lot of entrepreneurs who are really into it, who are making big money, they don't get that much sleep and they're working around the clock as as efficiently and as hard as possible. Like that mindset of being an entrepreneur is completely different. And you got to recognize that, like, if that's the life that you want, then God be with you. But, like, nine to fives is what, <laughs> I was going to say, nine to fives is what built America. I mean, yeah, in a sense, it's what mm-hmm. built everything. It's what built, you know, it's what built any, all infrastructures. It's what created jobs. It's what created, you know, standard living. Like, nine to fives is what made everything the way it is now. It's the food and source pe- for the economy, yeah. It is. And so for people to think that, like, I can just bypass this nine to five shit to try to go on some creative stuff, I'm like, bro, you got to recognize that if you want to start that, some people think, yeah, you can start from nothing, but you need resources, you need allies, you need a networking source, you need a lot to start. And if you're thinking you're going to start with ground zero, bro, you got another thing coming. And another thing is from a from a marketing perspective is you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, which is fine, 
you your brand or whatever it is has to provide value. That's the only that's the only way that people are going to give you money for something, for your service, for your product, for your experience, whatever. You have to provide people value. And if you're thinking you're going to start a company with no reasoning as to why, you just think people are going to buy this just of this. People don't just buy stuff just to buy stuff. They're not just going to give you their hard money just because you decide you want to up and start a business, which is great. But you have to do the work in the back end to really figure out why are you creating a business? What are you providing for people? And what is your value proposition? Your your value proposition. That's your your main like business, what you're surrounding your business around. What am I providing these people? Not just the tangible or intangible thing, but like how is it changing their life? How is it, you know, what is the experience they're getting from it? And people don't. I also think just people don't know like what it takes to start a nine to five or not nine to five, start a business um, and what a business is really about. Like businesses, any business, any successful business that you can think of provide people value. They don't just provide the service, but they provide a value and an experience and they have a brand, a brand meaning an identity. You know what you're getting from that brand. When you go to Chick-fil-A, you know they're going to tell you my pleasure because that's their brand is good customer service. You're a good Christian uh, fast food chain. When you go to McDonald's, you know you're going to get a very the same food every time. It's not going to be nothing different. You and The customer service is going to be hit or miss. But the value that they're providing is that consistent food everywhere, maybe quick or whatever, but you know it's always there because it's on every corner, okay? So every brand has its value. And I think people shortcut thinking that, oh, I have this product or service. I can just sell this to people, but you have to have, do a little bit more digging to make your, to make sure your, your business is successful. There's three, there's three different categories, your what, your why, and your how. A lot of people in our demographics, a lot of people try to figure out a what, try to BS a why, and a lot of people don't know how. Or if they do know how, they don't know the what. Or if they do know the what, they don't know the why. All of that equates to the value of your product, whatever it is. If it's yourself, if you're trying to start up you know, a podcast or a talk show, if you're trying to start up selling shirts or merchandise, whatever it is, you got to establish what your business model is going to be. And some people just think that like they just want to do something and get quick. And it's not like that. As you said, man, entrepreneurship's 24-7 job. Um, I think a lot of people lack uh like you like like you guys said, uh customer service, ability to talk to people. I think they also lack critical thinking, mm. um, creativity. I feel like that's something that's lacking. And I also kind of feel like people are a little, a little slow sometimes. So it's just, um, not, I mean, not to talk down on anybody, but that, I mean, that's just where our education system is. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, your entitlement, your entitlement thing. Yeah, nine to five is cool and it's stable. Um, I feel like it could, you know, of course need some ref- reformation like everything else does in this country um i feel like you know people are realizing that people aren't necessarily happy with nine to fives um 
not, you know, not being able to, you know, whenever they get home, not really feeling like they have the time to um, really, you know, live, have a life outside of work. Um, and then two days on the weekend is when you're trying to do everything. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a mixed bag for me because um, entre- entrepreneurship, yes, you have to, you know, you're, you're creating a plan and you want, you know, there's a lot of planning and there's a lot of thinking, pondering on what you want to do and how your brand and your product is going to benefit um, the, the world and the reason why, you know, figure out why people would buy your product. Um, Not everybody doing that, bro. Yeah, I know. I understand that. But, you know, people that do do it, you know, it's, tend to be pretty successful. Um, but they also have a wonderful background from their nine to fives. So, and, you know, Jeff and I saw that talking to people at the pod, uh, pod fest and really you can find that just from, you know, walking on the street and you guys see like a lot of, um, social media people, um, YouTubers, like a lot of those people, they had nine to five jobs, but eventually left them because their, um, side job became more lucrative. So like I said, there's, it's a mixed bag. You just, you know, a lot of people don't think about, you know, think, thoroughly about what they want to do with their um with their brand or with their product or, they, or you know they sell them plates you know i mean but people in general not not many people because like i think from what i'm seeing and at least please correct me if i'm wrong from what i'm seeing because even i mean i'm not even trying to create like how much older i am than you but like what are when you were a senior when, I was were, a senior. Shut up. <laughs> when you were a senior in high school what did what were kids saying that they wanted to do? What were the young whippersnappers saying? I feel like because I was a senior in high school, 2018. So at that point, the influencer was the thing. So I don't honestly think I heard people saying they wanted to be an influencer, but I well, no, I did hear that. But like that was growing basically after your 2012, like your 2014 and up, like when influencing really became what it is today, like the the modern form of influencing because influencing has always been a thing but just through different people in different way but becoming coming what it is today like after your your mid 2010s um that's what people wanted to do they wanted to be youtubers they wanted to be on social media and they wanted to talk about stuff and work themselves so by that point that's what it was so going so continuing with i mean everybody here if you in our own individual industries like jeff if you had the resources to start your own business within your industry would you consider it yeah i think when it comes to the nine to five i think that's kind of the goal and that purpose of the nine to five is to learn the skills in order to move on to doing something yourself because of course you know people are so focused on money um and making money and what's the first thing that when you talk to people older than you on how to make money they always say start your own business so for our generation i think you know we need to stop looking down on nine to fives because they teach you valuable skills not just people skills but also technical skills it shows you how to set up a budget it shows you how to do time management how to make a schedule um basically you know, I mean, my field's construction, so how to build a budget, construction schedule, 
learn how to build something from the ground up, learn all the parts of it, learn how to read the drawings and everything like that. So learning the fundamentals of your industry is the main thing that you should be learning in your nine to five. So instead of worrying about, I should be making more money, you should be focused on learning the skills you need to provide that great service to people once you start, you know, your own business in the future. So once you build those skills, you build those relationships, like going back to the game, finding people that like to teach you so you can learn the skills that's needed to build the foundation of whatever industry you're in, then you can go ahead and actually start your own business. And yes, to answer your question, I would definitely start my own business. I mean, even like, even like Elise, like even in in your industry that you're in, like, would you, would you, if you had the opportunity to, you know, freelance or or make your own, you know, make your own product as far as like PR and advertising and stuff, would you consider that? Absolutely. And it's a part of my journey. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. So yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, but and I can see that. I mean, I can see it in construction. I can see it in PR. Max, how how does one freelancer make himself his own entity in chemical engineering? Being consultant. Hmm. Pretty easy. Well, but well, personally, so explain say explain the functionalities like how, oh pretty how, much like um you go to a company um see how they how some of the processes work and say pretty much i have a better process if you pay me i can show you guys how to do it and you pretty much hop from company to company until you like you know like you tell them how to teach them how to do the process i had a comeback but yeah <laughs> So Max, how do you how do you turn your your industry into an independent factor? Um, for us, it's typically in the consulting um area. Uh, pretty much, you go to a company with uh, your special skill set, um, assuming that they need it, and you pretty much sell yourself. Um, and you know you're on a contract for a little bit, you, you know, year, two years, however long. And then whenever that contract is up, they'll either renew it or you can move on to another company. And um, it's a pretty cool thing. I know I probably wouldn't necessarily do it in the pharmaceutical stage because I'm finding, I'm coming to find, like, I feel like that's not, you know, aligning with me morally or ethically um, just because I know what big pharma does to people um, long-term. But, um, you know, going maybe in the uh, biodegradable plastics and, and, you know, renewable materials i feel like that that would be a, a pretty good thing that i need to kind of look forward look look more into um which i have been looking more into since i've been um you know taking some more time off but it's it's kind of an interesting thing it's kind of a hit or miss whether i want to go want to go uh be a consultant or not um because you know maybe and I it's not, go it's not as simple as you trying to like walk up to pfizer's doorstep and say hey you should hire me no, it's it's definitely like you got to know somebody and you got to be able you got to have that those credentials or some something something like that. But like I said, I don't know if I would, you know, necessarily be an entrepreneur in my field because there's so many other things that I'm looking into now that might be a little bit more lucrative, more fun, you know, a lot of things, a lot of different variables that I'm kind of thinking about now. Um, but you know, science is really cool and science is always going to be an interest to me. So, um That's what's up. Always going to keep that in mind. That's good, bro. 
Yeah, man. Living it up. Mm-hmm. Alex, you want to crunch numbers for the rest of your life? Not really. <laughs> yeah, what do you want to do, bro? Do my taxes, um, bitch. Uh, <laughs> pay me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... It, um. I mean, honestly, I mean, for me, so, like, I'm in, I mean, specifically, I'm in a subdivision of accounting uh, called procurement. I'm in accounts payable. And so, I mean, that, that falls along with, you know, AP, disbursements, payroll, like, you know, just actually cutting checks and, like, moving money around. Um, so, if I wanted to make that private, make that an independent entity, then I would want to be, like, like a personal, I would have to go to, like, being, like, a personal accountant. I probably would need to going to getting my CPA and getting my MBA and stuff like that and being like a private accountant for somebody and actually knowing how to manage somebody's money, creating financial institutions, creating accounts for them. So is that something that I foresee myself doing? Honestly, no. No, don't see that. Don't see that for the rest of my life. Because, I mean, honestly, everybody has like their own like niche and their own passions. I mean, my personal passions that I came to find out a lot later in life is that like I'm actually big into um, early career development. I actually enjoy helping people build resumes and like get jobs out of college because I know that that's something that people struggle with. So mm. I think that's something that I would eventually, eventually switch to. Uh, forgive me if I if I've been sounding sick all day, bro. Just warm weather to cold weather's been kicking my ass, but. That's definitely something I would eventually segue into is like helping people. I wouldn't necessarily say like I want to be like a life coach or like a career coach, but or maybe maybe I do. I don't know. I, I, I want to be able to find something fulfilling that in which I'm impacting people. I'm helping people get jobs, helping people create businesses, helping people find resources. Because I know, especially with people like us, people of color, you know, resources is, you know, usually limited at times. And I want to be able to, you know, bridge that gap so that. You know, people like us don't have to suffer with having the lack of resources. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So, you know, it's getting a little late. I think we should go ahead and, you know, wrap this up coming up. Um, and, you know, how we do over here at Foursquare, we always wrap up with advice for, you know, the listeners tuning in. So what is a piece of advice that you would give our generation that's coming out of college and going to the corporate world? At least, at least, since you're our guest, please go ahead. At least, there's so many things that I could say, but I think at the end of the day, I would encourage people to find and know your values. Um, working a job, whether it's in corporate America or any other capacity can be soul sucking. Um, and that sounds crazy to say, um, because, you know, you're essentially for the most, the majority of us, we're doing something we don't want to do in order to live, to make money and to live. Um, and while there's ways to get around that, the reality of a lot of people's reality is that they have to work to, you know, pay the bills, the majority of people. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say, if you find your values in terms of what are the things that you that are the most important to you and to not stray away from those in whatever um, workplace environment you're in. If you feel like you're not being treated fairly 
or you don't like the way people do business, or you you don't feel seen, you feel less than, any of those things, whatever you feel like are your core values, I would say always try to align your career with that, um, wherever you are in your career, and I feel like you will, I f- you'll be more fulfilled if, unless, you know, if you're doing something that you feel like um, aligns with who you are at the core, um, because at the end of the day, money and material things, none of that goes with you and none of that matters um but how you live your life and if you're living to the standard that you want for yourself um on a moral level and a values level that's really all that matters at the end of the day so whatever capacity that you're working making make sure that you know your values and stick to them and try to um you know advocate for them as much as you can in whatever space that you're in Well said. Well said, sis. I like that. I like that. Max, since you're smiling over there, go ahead and say something, bro. Oh, shoot, man. All right. Um, I guess the biggest thing that I would say is um a lot of people, whenever they do get to the corp like get to corporate, um, they tend to lose I don't wanna uh, I guess it is drive. A lot of people tend to kind of settle. Um and I guess what what I would say is uh, continue to be a critical thinking, a problem solver. Um, don't allow certain things to c- control your uh, ideas. Um, if certain things don't align with, you know, your ethics and your morals, you should always be thinking about a way out <laughs> of that position. Or, um, yeah, you should always be looking to elevate your own mind um i know that you know like i'm i I keep using my dad as as an example but he's been in his industry for 40 plus years and he's constantly been keeping up with times he's he's in you know tech so he's you know constantly been keeping up with times and creating new things on a consistent basis so i kind of use that as my um you know blueprint in order to figure out what i need to do um i see the importance of that i see how successful that he's been so you know, hopefully I can take that and kind of grow that exponentially, use that to grow exponentially for myself. And um, yeah, man, just uh, stay down. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? You just got to keep grinding, keep grinding to be better. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's what's up, bro. That's what's up, bro. Um, for me, my advice would kind of a two-parter i i always believe in creating a plan and creating multiple different factors of a plan if something goes one way you try to create something that goes another way now life be lifing life be life at times it'd be coming at you from many different sides and you never know what life has in store for you but always take time to be reflective in your job in your space and always take time to think back on like is this fulfilling if it is, I can make it more fulfilling. If not, what are some ways you can get to that fulfillment? And always still, just take time to always think. Keep your mind fresh. Keep your mind going. There's always something new coming around the corner. There's always something new popping up, you know, every month, every day, every week, you know. And you got to just make sure that whatever career that you're into, you know, know that game, play it smart, play it well. And then I promise you're going to go far. 
and Jeff. Respect, respect. Um, my advice I would definitely say is build your foundation of skills. When it comes to corporate America, you will always be valuable as long as you can provide a skill to that company. So when you get out of college and you, you know, you join the workforce, read your job description carefully. The job description is basically the syllabus of the corporate world. That's what they're expected to do. And that's what they're paying you to do. You're probably going to have to do a little bit more and be a yes man, like Alex said, but as long as you build the foundation and you get good at that foundation, that's when you can start advocating for yourself. Like at least said, so build your foundation, learn what you need to learn and learn more, learn what the next position is, you know, you want to move up to needs to do and learn that as well and find the tribe of people that like to teach and that actually care about you. I also, sorry, Jeff, you were done, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, before we wrap, I have one more thing and it's a tangible thing. It's an exercise. So this is a bonus thing, a bonus, because we love an action, okay? We had a conversation, but now an action. So I want everyone to search what is Ikigai, okay? And that is a Japanese concept. It's a Japanese philosophy about finding your purpose. And it's the intersection of four different things. Um, what you're good at, what you love, what the world needs, and what you can pay, what you, you can be paid for. Hmm. There's four different things. And amongst all of that intersection, you find your passion, the mission, your vocation, your profession. There's a lot of different things. Look it up. And I would say, try to fill each of those boxes, each of those four things. And if you don't know something that is part of your mission is to figure out what is that thing missing and how can you find it? What is that thing? And really just explore. And this, this philosophy can help you understand what your life, what is a meaningful life to you. And that's different for every person. Um, and I think it gets really hard because we have a lot of conceptions and, you know, expectations put on us um, that we need to be making this amount of money at this age or doing this or doing that. But truthfully, everyone's mission and their purpose in life is different. And I think really understanding what your personal mission is can help you in a lot of ways in your career and put alleviate some of that stress. Because like we talked about earlier, everyone is not meant to be an entrepreneur. Everyone is not meant to do the same thing. So understanding what your individual path and your purpose and your mission, that is what's going to, and that's what life is about, right? But if you can start being intentional about figuring that out and being um, you know, pointed about finding your mission, um, I would suggest to look into ikai, Ikigai, sorry, Ikigai, um, a Japanese philosophy. So How do you spell that? I-K-I-G-A-I. Yep. I-K-I-G-A-I. Yep. Yes. All right. So Make sure you take notes for all your listeners. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's my homework for you all. And hopefully it's helpful. Did we get Thank graded you. on this homework? No, but you're... <laughs> this isn't on the syllabus. It doesn't get really spiritual. Right. No, it's you. You're the you're the teacher of that. You grade that. So how fulfilling your life is. Oh, you are the teacher. That's not in my Just job help. description, so I'm gonna need a raise for that. All right. <laughs> uh, am I going to be compensated for this? This is extra work. It's not this well above my pay grade. Well, I think this was a very informative and well-productive after hours. 
So we appreciate all your scores out there for tuning in for this after hours. Thank you again, Elise, for sharing your expertise and your knowledge and whatnot. Thank you, Elise. Thank you. Stay tuned. And make sure you share with your sneaky links and entanglements every single time. Yep. Your side chicks, your main chicks, your front chick, your back chick, every chick that you out here giving the business to, make sure they tune in and make sure that they check in on Foursquare, man. Share with your... Share with your, your your parents, aunties, uncles. Your parents, your step-parents, your somewhat parents, your make-believe parents, your godparents. Your cousins. You know, your fairly odd parents. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> you know, yep. make sure you share with everybody, man. You know, we always got good content rolling out. And, um, you know, till next time. Four squares back, catch, bitch. We're going to catch you on the next episode. Deuces. Bye. Bye. All right.